what would you like to be if you could be anything? I would like to be a birdie and a whale. If you were a bird, what would you do? Eat worms. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Book Me Podcast, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. I'm Lindsay Glode Rainingbird. Join me as we journey through contemporary Canadian literature, reading as much as we can and chatting with authors, illustrators, and other bookish folk, celebrating our dynamic, diverse, and vibrant national literary scene as we go. So grab a snack, get cozy, break that binding, dog ear those pages, let's dig into it. Today we're talking to Jennifer Britton, author of the sweet and melodic children's book, If You Could Be Anything. Gorgeously illustrated by Brianna Core Scott, this picture book asks children what they might dream of being if they could be anything at all offering up classically Atlantic-Canadian icons as inspiration like lupins, plovers, lighthouses, pilot whales, and sea glass. We'll chat about what inspired her, how she turned the book into a lullaby you'll hear at the end of this episode, and finally, she'll field some pressing questions from our mini-bookworm Nina, who once again joins us mid-bedtime routine. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. So you had a hard day. I had a day. I'm teaching elementary school for the first time in a really long time. I've been a high school teacher for about 18 years. Okay. So I'm enjoying it. It's a different kind of stamina. (laughs) Yeah. So working with kids all these years, how do you think that might have informed what kind of children's book you wanted to make? I've been a big proponent of children's literature throughout. I mean, I had a huge library of it even before I had my own kids. But I've always been a really big supporter and encouraged teachers that I've worked with to include children's literature even in their high school classrooms. So that's something that I've always done. I don't like to think of children's books as being sort of a less than. It's a a text that inspires critical thinking regardless of if it's Shakespeare or if it's Mabel Merville, right? So I think My writing, I've always been a writer. Lyrical rhyming text is something that I enjoy. But I think my love of the East Coast, we, my husband and I went to University of New Brunswick, but I'm from Ottawa um, and lived there for a really long time. Just moved here last year. But before that, we spent a lot of our summers in Cape Breton. And eventually we just got tired of loving being there for a certain amount of time in the summer and then wishing we were there for the rest of the year. So we decided to make the leap. But I actually wrote the book when I still lived in Ottawa and was really longing to be here. So the first verse I wrote actually was the one about sea glass, which is probably the most personal because it was about me. If I could be sea glass and change over time from broken and sharp to soft and refined, I'd come from away and make this home mine if I could be sea glass and change over time. So that was really, it's emotional for me. That was really a a very personal, um, yeah, it's a love letter to Nova Scotia and Atlantic Canada. Yeah, it's a very touching kind of unexpected thing that you would find in the book. I like that you had that juxtaposition of animals, objects, and what they all can mean and how they make you see the world differently and stuff. I think so. A real sort of a motif throughout a lot of what I write is change. I didn't even really realize it until I stopped and looked and said, you know what, a lot of what I write is about change and whether it's sort of overt change or inward change. For me, it came from 
from just really loving what I was seeing and like physically wanting to change my own location and be somewhere that I just felt fed, like my soul felt fed being here. But I think children too, it's, there's a lot of sort of thinking about change and, you know, who am I? What is happening next? Maybe they're starting, they're in primary and they're starting towards grade one. Maybe they're in grade five and they're looking at, I have, I have some of my old high school students have read it and I mean, it resonates with them too. I'm a music teacher, but also a writing teacher. And one of the things I'm excited to do with this book is to not just do a reading or singing the song, but also a writing workshop. So I'm going to be doing oh, some song, yeah, some songwriting activities where we take that as a jumping off point. If you could be anything, what would you be? And then seeing what they what they might be. That's wonderful. That's fun. You're a musician, you say. So mm. tell me a little bit about how you wrote this book and then created because you wrote the book first and then you decided this. Yeah. You tell the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because I, I am I am very much involved in music. I run um, in Ottawa. I ran West Carlton Glee Club, which was basically choir, but it was kind of for funky songs. And when I came here, I thought, oh, maybe I'll start that here. And I thought we'd get 20. I have 92 kids right Ooh. now in St. Margaret's Big Glee Club. Um, so music is something that I'm always thinking in music. Um, so I wrote this and I was sitting with my editor, Whitney, and we were looking at it and she said, this is a lullaby. She didn't know I was a musician at the time. Not really. And I went, huh. And I went home and I just put something on the piano and send her kind of a rough copy. And she was like, well, this is something. <laughs> so, yeah. That, so you can do that, too. All right. Sort of, it sort of came from that. And yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy about it. My my friend Stacy did the, the supporting harmonies for it. And yeah, I'm really pleased with how it turned out. I sort of see it almost as a read aloud, you know, like it, parents can read the book or maybe if they want to sing it, they can sing it. But you can also sort of play it and then look at the story with your little one and and sort of use that as a, a jumping off point. Yeah, I did that with my daughter right nice. before I came here. I played her the song. Nice. And I was flipping the pages. She was ignoring me and just dancing, ballet dancing yes, they do. through the kitchen. <laughs> but she literally liked the song. Nice. Yeah, so it was nice. really cute. So what is different about writing a song versus writing a book for you? With this one, really not much. I mean, in terms of how you become, how you sort of choose the music towards with, that goes with it, when it's rhyming verse, it's kind of similar. If it's a song that you're writing for sort of this age group. The music kind of comes to comes to me. I wish I could say, oh, well, you know, I chose these chords. I, I honestly sit down at the piano and just sort of start playing stuff and something works or something doesn't. But in terms of writing, it really kind of depends on what I'm writing. You know, a lot of, I do a lot of work with teens on sort of social issues, um, whether it's stuff that they're going through or whether it's sort of a social injustice thing that they're writing sort of protest songs about and things like that. And so that writing... Again, it kind of comes from it comes from the situation um, with the various I'm working on a book right now and I'm kind of trying to sort of stop myself from going back into that because I want to do something a bit different. But um, but I kind of keep getting pulled back to pulled back to thinking, well, maybe this is another song. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Everything you put out, you'll just have a little song I know. on the I'm end. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the new like Sharon Lowe's and Bram. There's just one of me. <laughs> That's perfect, though. We need that, right? Don't we? So 
you've been writing, but is this your first book? This is my first published book. Yeah. Oh, um, I, yeah, it is really exciting. I've done a lot of writing. Like I said, I know when I was working with um, my high school students, a lot of my time is spent sort of sourcing books that I think would support text. So I think every grade 10 in the country has done Lord of the Flies for since time began. I remember um, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I know. And, and there's still a lot of reasons to teach that text, I think, only we do it in a different way now. And we look at sort of kind of the issues with it as well. But when I did that book, I sort of looked and found, you know, what what children's books would support that. And sometimes I'm lucky, for instance, with Lord of the Flies, Pulmarita Sendax, Where the Wild Things Are. There's a lot of a lot in there that's actually pulled right from Lord of the Flies. Sendak was pretty um, clear on that. But for me, a lot of the things that we're doing, I had a hard time finding books that would be. So sometimes I would write them. Sometimes I'd write it with the kids. So like the, the, oh, the teens. So, cool. so a lot of my writing was like that. I actually, it was interesting. I had some health issues that stopped me from teaching um, for a while. And uh, the unbelievably talented Sherry Fitch has become a bit of a mentor of mine. And she knew that I wasn't well and I was kind of stopped and thought, I don't know, am I going to be teaching anymore? If I'm not teaching, then who am I? Again, if you could be anything, what would you be? I don't know. Not um, a teacher anymore. Not a teacher, I guess, <laughs> but I'm a mom. I don't know. I got to do something else. And Sherry knew that I had been writing a lot. Um, she'd seen a lot of my stuff and she sort of said, you know, knock, knock. I think this is this is telling you something. It's time to do this. And she was right. And I, I'm so glad that I listened to her and took that chance and, and everything that's come. I'm really grateful for it for a lot of reasons. <laughs> and were there any specific books that inspired you for this one? Any other children's books? For this one, well, the artwork, this is bananas because I can't believe that this came together. My I've always been such a fan of Miss Rumpheus um, okay, yeah. and the Lupin Lady. Ever, I mean, my daughter, who's nine now, Georgia, in her bedroom when I was expecting her, my sister painted me one of the scenes, the Lupin Lady scenes. And I love it. I love that book. I've always loved that book. And again, it's the East Coast sort of has Lupin, always called me, East right? Coast. Yeah. It really is. And and um, that's kind of what I was envisioning when I thought, how I how I saw this story. But of course, I didn't know I wrote it. I didn't know who was going to be illustrating it, or if even anybody would want to read it. And so when we started looking around, and, and I was asked, you know, what style do you see doing this? And I, I said, well, honestly, like Brianna Corscott is just her her work. She's is, amazing. Well, yeah, and it's breathtaking. Like, even before I knew her, I, I bought her books, like, since she's been writing them. They're um, in my collection when we lived in Ottawa because that aesthetic is just like speaks to me. Mm -hmm. I'm just in awe of her in so many ways. But <laughs> yeah, they're very ethereal. Yeah, all of the illustrations, but it has that vibe. Magical. So I think, yeah, yeah if I was going to say a book that kind of um, spoke to me, even if it was just sort of in the back of my mind, it definitely would have been Miss Rumpfeer. And the Lupins. Yeah. I'm from the U.S. originally. Oh, I wow. moved here when I was six. But we always would go down and visit my dad in the summer times. And we would come back. And every single time we'd come back, it would be foggy and overcast and rainy. But me and my brother, as soon as we were on Nova Scotian soil, we'd like pull over the car. There'd be Lupins in the ditches. We were like, Nova Scotia, we're home. I and my know. mom would be like, you people are crazy. No, it is. And I... Yeah, like when we lived in Ottawa and we would come in the summertime in the spring, 
that's it. Like they just, that's it felt. And also when we lived in Fredericton, we lived in Fredericton. I taught there for a little while as well. Shout out to Aramukto High School. Anyways, anyways. If you're listening. I know. We brought, we used to bring seeds home and try Mm -hmm. to plant them and they never, ever took. And not in Ottawa, it sure didn't. No. And I'm sure some gardener will be like, actually, I grow lupins all the time. That was not my experience. (laughs) Even the transplants I try to grow here, they just don't take. No, It's like they just go where they want to go. They do. And I... That's kind of why I love them, too. Yeah. So I read, if you could be anything to my daughter last night at bedtime, and we both really enjoyed it. She had a few questions for you. Oh, my gosh. I'm excited. Today, my special guest, once again, is Nina. Hi, Nina. Hello. How are you this evening? Good. And did we just read the book... If you could be anything? Yes. What did you think of the book? It was good how the book rhymes. I like that the birds were walking on the shore by the beach because they got a little bath. So, in the book, it says all sorts of things that you could be. What would you like to be if you could be anything? I would like to be a birdie and a whale. If you were a bird, what would you do? Eat worms. Ew! (laughs) Why would you want to eat worms? Because birds like worms. Why would you like to be a whale? Because I get to swim all day. Where would you go? I would go to my house and Alice is there too. And I can see her and I can play with her. How would you go to your house? There's no water here. You're a whale. I'm just going to run and pop up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's how it works. Maybe if you were a whale, you could go somewhere else. Ooh, I could go to the coral reef. Yeah, you could go to the coral reef. What would you do there? I would eat some crackers. Eat some crackers under the sea? They're fish crackers. You'd eat some goldfish crackers under the sea? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Do you have any questions for the author? Can you write more books? And what would you like to be if you could be anything? (laughs) I mean, I think I would be all of the things. (laughs) All of the things that I was talking about, but... But yeah, I mean, I think happy. I think I just, it, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, that you, that you do or that you, where you go or the things that you choose to be around you. It's just if you're happy. Um, and then if you, if you find that, then you can kind of be anything else, you know? And I absolutely will write more books. I've got one right now that's kind of percolating and I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping to be able to to birth that into the world um, sometime, <laughs> sometime, hopefully in the next few years. Yeah. Without too much pain. Without too much pain. Do you have any little hints you can give us? Yeah, well, I'll give you a um, tiny theme. Yeah, so I'm, I like to think about sounds in a different way. Um, and I encourage kids to as well. And also how music can speak to you and to um, help you through hard times and and sort of finding it everywhere. And so the first part is there's a song in the water and it's going to be looking at, yeah, it's going to be looking at sort of 
the sounds that we hear around us um, in different places, the, the water and the sky and the city and different things in health. That's a great idea. Yeah. I love that. And then Nina also wanted to know more about the art, which I know you didn't do, but she wanted to know what you think about how colorful it is. And do you know how she got it to be so colorful? I know that um, Brianna's process is is very much her own. And that was the one sort of conversation that I didn't have with her, but the uh, my editor had had that conversation with me and sort of how I envisioned it. And I had just said colorful, like just colorful. And and she took it from there. It's been really cool to kind of see little reels that she does on Instagram because she'll sort of give you a glimpse into it. Um, and I was so thrilled that she actually gave me um, the painting of the cover. Oh, which the was like, yeah, so I'm having that framed. And Where and will that live? That is a really good question. We moved in like a year and a bit ago in my my studio, my study. Um, I have this blank wall that I couldn't figure out for the longest time and there's nothing on it. And I was like, why can't I figure out where to put my artwork? And I'm like, that's why, because I've been waiting, not even knowing I'm waiting for this. So that's going to go right over my desk. And what's the last book you read that moved you? There's a really cool book that um, that I'm actually thrilled I would love to share with you. It's by Margaret Holmes. It's called A Terrible Thing Happened. As a teacher, and I have friends who are counselors and psychologists and things like that, it can be really hard to find books that speak to kids who have an experience that's different than a lot of other kids. And so this is a book about trauma. And it it's not a sad book. It's not um, a book that goes into anything specific. It's just called A Terrible Thing Happened. And it looks at a little, at a child who's having a hard time. And it it just sort of looks at how they're feeling and the steps that they take and the people that they might work with and talk to. Anyways, it's beautiful. And I love that it is um, vague. So it can really speak to all sorts of types of trauma um, in a way that is age appropriate and supportive to kids. So yeah, I'm a real big fan in books that lift people up and helping kids be seen. So it's a picture book. It is a picture book. Yeah. It's for it's for children. And I, I always hate to put an age on books because i I love picture books and I'm 43, but um, but it's one that I would use with three and four year olds who maybe are learning to work with a therapist or or somebody um, to sort of process, you know, this is hard to talk about and that's OK. Um, and I would honestly I'd use it with my grade 11s like it's it's uh, yeah, it's really, really, really cool book. People should check it out. <laughs> check it out. And is there anything else you're currently reading? I have three kids. And so I'm finding it's really hard to focus on things. I'm like such a reader. My whole moving here was nuts because my husband was like, we're not bringing any more books, but I can't let them go because what if somebody wanted to borrow something someday and I have to show them? And it's been interesting. This sort of season of my life has been um, difficult to focus. And I think because of all the change we're happening, that's happening. And one thing that was super cool, I was feeling really stressed out about that, about Again, it felt like this was a piece of me that I couldn't access sort of like when I wasn't well in teaching. And Sherry Fitch, again, who um, <laughs> said something really cool to me. She said, well, maybe it's that the universe is telling you you need to not listen to other people's words right now because you need to focus on your own, which, again, was like, OK, I got to start. I got to start writing. And, and she's right. She's right. But yeah, so that's my... <laughs> That's my spiel. <laughs> That's my spiel. I'm here to talk about Sherry Fitch and other people's books. So. <laughs>
One last little question I have is in your Instagram bio, it says Stuart McLean thought you were smart and I have to hear the story behind this. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking that because I don't get to talk about this nearly He's a enough. Treasure. <laughs> Speaking of using sort of unconventional texts when you're for other situations, um, he found out that I used his Dave Morley stories mm -hmm. in my, as part of my grade 11 English exam and my grade 12 sometimes. Um, and he was like, hang on a minute. So he, his producer, Jess Milton, called me and said, listen, he's, he wants you to come on the show on the Vinyl Cafe and give him an exam based what? on his own stories. Oh, this is so funny. So I gave him a test based on his own stories, like live on the Vinyl Cafe. Um, and it, it was so cool because it turned into, it was one of his last shows um, before he passed, which, again, I'm going to be emotional about. Um, but it aired as a 10-minute interview, but it was an hour and a half phone call. Um, and it was, we talked about sort of his process of, of how when he wrote, he didn't really mean for, you know, for the, like the theme to necessarily be this, which is what, right? One of that's one of the questions is based on, you know, this, this book, you know, discuss the theme or tell me about the tone and what it, anyways. But he came to realize as we were talking that, subconsciously he was writing about one of the things he talked about was he was writing about the death of his father and he was writing about moving on and those themes which in hindsight when I listen to it is hard because of course we lost him not soon after um but at the time had said that he wanted me to come back to to talk about it more and of course that didn't get to happen but anyway so that was one of that's like the highlight of my I think my teaching career <laughs> is that Stuart McLean thought that I thought that I had something to say so he just touches so many people's lives like my father listened to him all the time and he read all the books and so whenever I think of Stuart McLean or listen to it I always think of my dad absolutely too. thank you thank for you coming on the show and being just so wonderful and a special thanks to Nina for giving us a six-year-old's perspective on what we're reading so can you introduce the lullaby version of the book we'll be listening to okay so this is the version of the book called If You Could Be Anything. You can find the song by a little QR code on one of the first pages. And I hope that you'll listen to it as you read the story. It's really special to me. It really tells the story, I believe, the music as well as the words. So I hope that people listen to it and that they enjoy it. If You Could Be Anything by Jennifer Britton with art by Brianna Core Scott is available everywhere books are sold. A 
pilot whale, sleek, strong, and gray. I might be a lighthouse that shines in one height. I'd bring sailors home safely, they'd follow my light. I would guide them through storms, I'd be blinking and bright. If I were a lighthouse that shines in the night. And thank you for listening and hanging out with us. Join me next time on this book lover's journey as we try to read more, read Canadian, read local. You know, all the good things. Having come from away, I will make this all night. If I could be sea glass and change over time. There are so many things we could be